Have you ever loaded your family into a big RV and taken to the open road? One undersea crustacean does something similar with its family, only instead of the open road, it's the open ocean, and instead of a large, luxurious Winnebago, it's a northern red snapper. It's a big ocean for a small arthropod, and hitching a ride on a wayward fish can really help them get around. But here's the catch. They have to do something that borders on the grotesque and ocean-esque to fill their bellies during their nautical adventures. But sometimes, survival requires a sea parasite to get gross and gauche in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a crustacean whose name sounds like an old-timey insult. Hey, you, get back here, you tongue-eating louse, and I'll give you what for! You lily-livered, yellow-bellied, tongue-eating louse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tongue-eating louse is what we're talking about. It also sounds like just just something that happens whenever... To, that, that would happen to Job. <laughs> It's Job-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of esque, uh, thanks to Ono Lit Class for the use of the intro joke, grotesque and ocean-esque, off of their mini show, Study Breaks. To replace the grotesque and arabesque. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. That's what but yeah, about. we're talking about the tongue-eating louse, also known as the Promethean peekaboo parasite, <laughs> which I'll talk about later, um, and the anti... <laughs> And the anti-joy arthropod. <laughs> and, well, uh, the, okay. for, for reasons uh, that are obvious, but also I found out that Tongue Eating Louse is the name of a band. Oh, what, really? What kind of music do you think that the, that Tongue Eating Louse plays? Um, post-hardcore experimental? Close. Um, if you had said Doom Sludge, then that would have definitely been the right answer. Um, what does that sound like? I don't want to know. They're from Ontario. Their record label is Sludge Lord Records. Oh, my and goodness. And their Facebook page says that they describe themselves as sludge, rooted, raw, abrasive, and anti-joy. I think they invented the sludge genre. I don't, there are no <laughs> other bands in it. They should have just been named Sludge. Very, very interesting. I did not listen to it because I don't think I would be able to uh, recover from that. So, um, but yeah, so if you if you think of a band that is in the sludge genre, it's called Tongue Eating Louse. That kind of goes, that's, that goes thematically with the animal that we're talking about. It's odious, I would say. Their new, <laughs> their new album uh, in 2018, Voidwalker, yeah. includes the album... Or the, or the to the song the hit, Alchemy the, of the Void. The hit single. <laughs> <laughs> the hit radio single. Um, so let's talk about where it lives on the taxonomic um, category spectrum. Um, the kingdom, you know it, you love it, you're in it. It's kingdom animalia. The phylum, arthropoda, oh. which is expected. The no word, spines here. The word louse is, is there. Um, the subphylum is crustacea, though, so we are no longer in Lausland um, because those are insects. So this is actually not a louse. The class is Malacostraca. Interesting. Which we visited before when we talked about the samurai crab because okay. those are crabs and lobsters and things like that. Um, the order is Isopoda, so this is an isopod. Mm-hmm. And most isopods look pretty similar. 
like little pill bugs. Yeah. Segmented. We'll talk about what it looks like later. Um, the family is Cymothoidae. Cymothoidae. We'll, we'll say that. And then the genus is Cymothoa. And the species is Exigua. Ex, ex, exigua? Let's say Exigua. Exigua? I, I heard it on a video today. Cymothoa Exigua. Cymothoa sounds like um, a Godzilla enemy. <laughs> yeah, like Mothra. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit more like a crab. I want to, before we get into this, I want to go take a quick detour and say, uh, talk about my weekend. So, uh, Bibby and I were able to take, uh, longtime life death and taxonomy fans, Calvin and Julia to the zoo okay. on Saturday, which is a perfect place to go with life, death and taxonomy. Oh, host I thought you were going to say kids. <laughs> this is a very perfect place to go for kids, um, with kids. And it's a huge place. It's uh, the Miami Metro Zoo. Um, is like bigger than a Disney park. Oh, wow. And uh, so we saw hyenas, we saw orangutans, we saw all kinds of animals from that we've talked about on the show before. So it was a blast. And their favorite part of the whole day was walking Yoshi and Morph, my two dogs, back here at the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> they saw all kinds of cool animals and they wanted to walk the dogs again. Well, they could talk. They could touch the dogs if they wanted to. That's true, but they could also touch the goats at the petting zoo. Part of the dogs zoo. are better than goats by a long shot. True, I think these goats were pregnant, so they were they were Gross. they were kind of boring, just laying there. <laughs> I did something similar this weekend. I saw t- baby goats at uh, Tradewinds Park. Huh? Yeah. So we both had uh, close encounters of the animal animalia kind. Yeah. <laughs> I also took a picture of a mini horse, which you can see on the LD Taxonomy. Instagram page. Oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll put some uh, photos of our trip up. Okay, nice. But back to the the um, horrifying task at hand. This is a this is a, just a terrible excursion back into the nightmarish world of parasites for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right back to the Apomis beetle. <laughs> Listen, I get so much flack for only doing mammals. I had to venture into the... To the to the spineless world sometimes. This is definitely an interesting, um, the bug like thing. It's not, and, it's and not the a info bug at all. will be equally interesting and animal. Very animal. <laughs> um, so let's talk about where this thing lives. And it lives, oh, it lives in the ocean. So it lives in a lot of different places, but mostly concentrated in the Gulf of California, between the Gulf of California. And off the coast of Ecuador, mm-hmm. so kind of between those two places in the Pacific Ocean, um, along the coast of Central America, um, but it also lives in certain parts of the Atlantic, um, basically wherever it can catch a ride. Oh, and a fish Winnebago. A fish Winnebago. Yeah, sounds good. It's like uh, it's like cream cheese and locks. <laughs> fish bagel. <laughs> so now you know where it lives. You have a general idea of what it is, but what does it look like? I already mentioned it looks kind of like a like a pill bug. It's yeah. an isopod. Um, it, it's pale. It's partially translucent. Uh, it's kind of whitish, sometimes greenish. So it's um, kind of gross looking. Kind of looks like it could glow in the dark yeah. if you turned off the lights. Um, it has a long segmented body with a pair of spindly legs. And if you're thinking of a millipede, uh, you're kind of on the right shorter track. Though. It's much shorter and doesn't have as many legs. I think of it more as like an oversized armored tardigrade. Yeah, sort of. But more bug, more buggish than bearish. Yes. Piggish. Those are kind of piggish. Little little column A, little column B. Yeah. Um, it also has a manatee-esque tail. 
like a fin, like a big fan fin at the back that it lo- uses to swim around and look for a new unsuspecting host. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, it has two little beady, untrustworthy little eyes that uh, <laughs> feel no remorse or shame for what they're doing or what they're about to do. So I said they have a long body, but is that as long as like a regular millipede or is that like like a whole fish sized or uh, we're just going to go with small and move on since you don't seem very interested in in telling us about oh, how big it is were you wanting to talk about the listeners most favorite part of the show i wanted to talk well it sounded we can, like you're pretty eager to talk about the listeners most favorite part of the show we could talk about reproduction instead actually let's talk about the listeners favorite part of the show the part of the show that is introduced by you the listener and in this segment uh we're gonna we're going to convey the animal's size and dimensions in relatable terms in the form of a quiz which i post to carlos uh this week the 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 segment is introduced by no one because we're out of oh, we? intros. Oh, you we've been abandoned. <laughs> we have. Uh, we were supported for so long by by faithful listeners like Joy. Yes. And the choir and oh. our friends. And we our could family. start reusing duplicates people have sent us. True. True. Or we could just go with one and stick with it. We we, we can we can have one to fall back on. That's for sure. Let's actually go with a, a timeless classic this week and have this segment be introduced once again by pure joy of First Presbyterian Church of Coral Springs. I just want to hear it again. Yeah, I love hearing this one. <laughs> Without further ado, the listeners, favorite part of the show. Still good. You know, you say the listener's favorite part of the show a lot, like four or five times every single time we start this, this I'm just, this section, you know, putting it out. Based on a poll that you took in the nascent stages of this show. You should do a poll on Facebook and see if it's still true. Okay. We need more segments that are introduced by, some, by like, with, with such fanfare, though. It's not fair. <laughs> well, let's do a poll and then we'll introduce whatever they say. Can you imagine if we introduced the general info, the taxonomy, measure up, and the, <laughs> the major fact with... Uh, Such gravitas. Yeah. It would be a lot. It would be a little bit much. Let's start with length. <clears throat> They're 29... Uh, they can grow up to be as much as 29 millimeters or 1.1 inches. The females are slightly larger than the males. How many lice... Not really, but lice go into the depth... Maximum depth of the Gulf of California. You must have seen this one coming. No, I didn't. Well, here's a hint, since you didn't. I thought you knew that this was a band, and you were going to ask me how many, like... I didn't know it was a band. (laughs) Like, how many albums it had sold based on how many species were in the isopod family. No, here's the hint. Or order. The Gulf of California has a rich ecosystem and, and includes the incredibly rare and critically endangered vaquita. Porpoise. It's a small porpoise. It's actually adorably small. It's like four feet long. That's one that you can keep in your pocket. <laughs> or well, a really, it's really deep pocket. You, and it's got this adorable little like snub nose face. Like a, a very rounded face and it like a nice little smile. Like perpetual smile. Yeah. It's a good nice. It's a good, yeah. Save save the Vasquita. Vaquita. Is being hunted or something? I don't know. I'm not sure why it's endangered. I'm sure it has something to do with that. All right, well, let's assume this is the Gulf of California is pretty deep. It's Pacific Ocean. It's pretty deep. It's deeper than most. Yeah. Pretty narrow little sea, though. I will tell you another hint. 
at its shallowest depths up near uh, Arizona, um, it's affordable. Fjordable? Affordable. It's affordable. It's affordable. Yeah. You can walk across it? You can afford to walk across it. (laughs) Without having to swim? Yes, yeah. (laughs) Pay pay the swim toll? Uh Uh-huh. So really, it's just like, you know, waist deep or something? I guess, yeah. That's crazy. Or did I, you say fjordable? Fjordable. <laughs> Bjorkable? <laughs> You're able to, you know, make mountains rise out from its depths. That's a fjord. You're fjording it. <laughs> yes. Uh I have no idea. Good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five thousand feet. Okay. That's that's really deep, but who knows? Um yeah, that's a mile deep. Maybe that's a little bit too much. <laughs> Let's say 3,000 feet. What is, what's this thing, half an inch? And 1.1. Uh, 1. 1. 1. 1.1 inch? Or 29 millimeters, whichever you prefer. Okay, so we're going to round that down to one. Uh, so tw- there's 12 inches in, in a foot, and I said 5,000 feet, right? No, I said 3,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So um, 12 times 3,000 is 36,000 feet. I'm going to add a little bit more. A little bit of cheddar for that one point one, and um, we're gonna we're gonna cap it off at thirty nine thousand feet, or thirty nine thirty nine thousand little boys. The Gulf of California is in fact three thousand meters. Oh darn it! <laughs> it's way deeper than nine thousand eight hundred feet. <laughs> this is not the first time that I've gotten the exact number in a different yeah. <laughs> unit of measurement. So that puts it at. 106,909 tongue-eating louses. That's really deep. I knew it was going to be deep. Yeah. Uh, Here's the width. Let's talk about the width of the animal. 14 millimeters or 0.55 inches. How many lice widths go into the width of the widest human tongue? Is that Gene Simmons' tongue? No, it's not Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons was... Gonna be one of my nicknames. It's long. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is wide. I know, but like, usually things that are longer tend to be wider. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, the the Guinness record for the widest tongue belongs to Byron Schlecker Schlenker of Syracuse, New York. He actually beat his own record in 2014. His tongue apparently grew even wider. He just hit it with a mallet. <laughs> I, I saw a picture. It's it's comically wide hmm that does help i don't know maybe he has a big mouth too to like stretch across would you like to see a a picture of it no no i'll see it afterwards i'm gonna say about six inches which will put 12 about 12 of these guys uh okay 12 six inches slice yeah that's a really long that's a really that's a comically wide tongue it's actually only 8.5 centimeters or 3.37 inches which puts it at 6.1 lice. That's, you, that's not as comically big as I thought it was going to the be. The picture looks big. Let me see. If you would like to see a picture of this tongue, you can click on the link. It says Guinness Record. That's the hyperlink on ldtaxonomy.com. That's only 3.5 inches? Yeah, maybe he has a small face by com- by comparison, but it looks big. That is, Yeah, that does look really, really big. <laughs> Anyway, that's the end of Measure Up. Good, good, I guess. Check out that tongue. I've learned some things that I didn't think I needed to learn, and I still don't need to learn them. (laughs) (laughs) 
But let's move on to the reproduction. Um, so, oh, also Lysopoda. That's another good nickname. I just think of these things in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they usually, so these lice, they usually um, mate on the gills of the host uh, that they're traveling on. Um, as juvies, they are androgynous. Uh, so when they attach to the host um, near the gills, they become males. And then as they mature, some become females. Mm-hmm. And so there are usually multiple lice attached to one fish. Yes. So if there are, so if two lice attached, they will become males. Then usually one of them becomes a female and then they mate. Um, and then the female serves as the primary parasite, which you will be talking about. Yes. Um, and without further ado, I think that leads us directly into what does the female do? Okay, that's, uh, it's time for the majorist of facts in this episode. Um, so like you said, the life cycle is basically a race to be queen. They, <laughs> <laughs> they will attach to the, as androgynous juveniles, they will attach to the gills. Then they'll become males. Then the one that makes it to the mouth becomes queen, becomes a woman, becomes a female. <laughs> they don't become, <laughs> become a full-grown human woman. <laughs> Wait, so they don't become they they don't change sex until they make it to the mouth? No, they change that. They become a male. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They the one that gets there first becomes a female. So, but I thought they made it on the gills. I'll tell you what they made. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> the female louse will attach to the back of the tongue of this fish with its back legs. The lady louse will then dig into the arteries of the tongue, draining it of its blood. Yum. The tongue will atrophy as it's sucked dry, and it'll rot and fall off. This is getting better and better. Keep uh-huh. going. The the louse will then do something that is unheard of among other parasites. It will fulfill the role of the fish's tongue. That's kind of it. Fixing problems it's caused. That is kind. That is nice. Uh, it attaches it, it it attaches its back legs to the remaining muscles of the tongue stump, and the fish is able to move it around like a prosthetic tongue. The louse, um, and then the louse continues to survive off of the off of blood and mucus. Fish mucus. What is fish mucus? Probably the smelliest substance on earth. Is that the slime that they're covered in or is that like inside? I guess it's just like mucus, regular mucus, like we have mucus to lubricate passages and stuff. Okay. Uh, At this point, it may not hurt the fish anymore. Um, If one louse is in the fish, both the fish and the louse will remain healthy. However, if... Males often stick around in the gills and travel up to the female mouth, female like up to the louse in the in the tongue to mate. So the males will like travel up, mate, hang out in the gills. So so they don't mate in, on the gills. May, if you found that they do, then maybe they also do that, or she'll like move back. I don't know, but from what I read, that they the males move up to mate. Oh okay. Uh, but if two or more are gathered in this fish's mouth. It may leave the fish underweight and malnourished. Don't bring verses into this into this <laughs> unholy act. Uh, we are uh, we aren't totally sure what happens when the fish dies in the wild. In captivity, the louse will detach but stay close to the fish head. 
in the wild, we don't know if they go after new hosts, which would be different and interesting because if they go after a new host, then there's already a female. Not necessarily. You think they may revert? I'm not sure. Or no, they just go to a new host that doesn't have a louse already on it. Right, but there's already a f- they've already ha- fulfilled their roles. Usually their roles are, their g- sexes are determined by... So then if it's if it's the first one to like latch onto this clownfish and it's already the female, then it'll just make its way to the tongue, do the whole tongue replacement thing. Yeah. And then any males that, subsequent males that attach themselves to the clownfish will uh will just, will be able to mate. Clownfish. I just saw, when I looked up pictures of this, I saw a lot of pictures of clownfish. There's a famous, uh, let's talk about that, <clears throat> a photographer named, what's, what's Chinese, in Chinese, Q-I-N-G. Ching. Ching Lin captured a now famous photo that was a finalist for Wildlife Photographer of the Year in 2017. The photo d- depicts three clownfish, and if you look closely, you can see that each one has a little white has like a little white head with black beady eyes peeking out of their mouths. That's horrifying. It's kind of adorable. No, it's a little cute. No, not even a little bit. It is a little cute. No, you just you you like you don't usually feel bad for fish. <laughs> they have these you know blank vacant stares uh-huh. that just show no like thought processes or feelings. That's why so many quote unquote vegetarians are uh, also pes- pescatarians are, are fine with eating fish. Um, because they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but, uh, and, and not cute. They're dumb and not cute. Which a clownfish is, is kind of, look at, a little look at bit. this picture, the, picture of the, the clownfish. The clownfish is cute, but as soon as you realize that there's a bug that it that's that has sucked its tongue dry and is now use, being used as a tongue, just like... like horrifying? Chittering around in there. It's, yeah, it's horrifying. It's, it's, it's very bad. <laughs> um... So a mouse louth, a mouth louse, only goes after fish and doesn't hurt humans unless you handle them, in which case it might bite you. A mouse louth. <laughs> that sounds like a Doctor Sooth. We're all going to be soothsayer. We're all going to yeah, Doctor Soothsayer. We're going to be lithbing for the rest of this. Um, however, it does go after fish that humans eat, including snapper. Um, all kinds of snapper, especially Pacific Coast snapper. Um, a lawsuit in Puerto Rico centered around a customer of a supermarket chain who claimed to get sick after accidentally eating a tongue-eating louse after cooking and eating a fish that had the parasite. However, the lawsuit was dropped when it was shown that the louse was not poisonous. Isopods are not poisonous. Yeah, isopods uh, are sometimes eaten regularly in some cultures. Like little shrimps, little prawns. Yeah, when they're by themselves, you're just like, oh, look, like a, yeah, like a bug. But when uh, it's attached bug. to another, to a fish in its mouth, and the fish opens its mouth, and there's just legs and tiny beady eyes, you're just like, ugh. Yeah. That's why I called it the Prometheus peekaboo parasite, because in Greek mythology, Prometheus is chained to a rock, and an eagle eats his liver out every day. That's true. So this is the same thing, except it's not like a repeating process. It just eats the tongue and then replaces the tongue. You could have called the um, amphibians we talked about. The Sicilians? Sicilians, the, the ones that eat the mom's uterine milk over and over. <sighs> <laughs> I thought we agreed never to say that again. <laughs> uterine milk? <laughs> 
<laughs> so in my band, that's going to be Sludge Hardcore. Uh, <laughs> sludge Doom. Anti-Joy. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to make a whole music genre that's specifically not happy. That sounds so bad and dumb. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to knock it until I hear it. True, true. I'm also not recommending that anyone hears it. Yeah, like you can. Could you, be terrible. You can listen to it on your own, but I've. I have no. Um, I can't vouch for their li- lyrical content or whether or not you can understand their lyrics. Or if it's pleasant to the ear. Probably not. Probably it's not. It's, it's it is anti joy. You're not supposed to feel good when you're hearing it. It's like cradle of filth. <laughs> But uh, that's all we've got for the um, tongue-eating louse. Is that all you got? Yep. So for you out there in Podcastia, find your fish friend, nestle in, and what's the matter? Parasitic arthropod got your tongue? Of course, because this is life, death, and taxonomy. It was a little weird, but I had to make it work. (laughs) No, it worked. Like the critically endangered vaquita porpoise, you know what else is critically endangered? Measure up segments. We need measure up segments from you to introduce the listeners just the most favoriteest part of the show. Everyone agrees it's the best part of the show, but we need it to be introduced in a way that is as stellar as the segment itself. Just use your iPhone or other recording device. Send it to the email ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. It's good. Okay, I can see why it's called sludge. Because it's gross. Well, no, like that bass is like sludgy. Yeah, this makes me feel bad. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel worse for having listened to it, and I don't think that I'm going to be the same afterward. Nope, it's it's done forever. Well, we don't have to add that into the <laughs> into the show. We might, we might at the blooper times. <laughs> I think I could just hit on the mic a bunch of times. That and sounded like make 100% this exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it really is just one guy with a microphone, and he's just... <laughs> <laughs> he's pretending to do explosions. That's what he's explosions doing. Explosions in the Sky, which is a much better band. Uh-huh.